Clemson gets a close call. Bama is business as usual. Arkansas shows some signs of life. The SEC West appears to have three college football playoff contenders. And is the Ohio State the real deal? Welcome, folks, to the Dropouts Podcast. I am Hunter. I got JT with me. Buddy, how are you doing? Man, I have been better. Been kind of down this week. Yeah. Uh, a little sickness, but uh, I'm I'm on the on the downhill slide, so I'm I'm ready to go, man. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you sound better. You do sound yeah, I better. I feel better. I feel better. Well, that's great. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining in with us. Um, on the back end of this episode, you will hear uh, a really cool interview that me and JT did with Mike Griffith from DodNation.com. He shared some insight into the Bulldogs program. Um, that'll be at the end of the episode. Real quick, before we get into the content, uh, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, follow us, like our page. We're really active there. Comment, let us know how we're doing. Um, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Just subscribe so you can see when we release new content. And a quick reminder, guys, about our event that we have on November 2nd, 2019. We're really excited about this. Write this address down. 111 Beach Boulevard, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. 111 Beach Boulevard, Jacksonville, Florida. That's Sneaker Sports Grill. Your pod, or your Dropouts podcast will be there live for the Georgia-Florida game. We'll be watching it there. This place is fantastic, guys. It's got great food, great weight staff, anything you can think of on the bar, and TVs and screens everywhere. Me and JT have both been here. It's fantastic, any JT? Man, I'm so stoked about being there, man. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. We're excited about it. We hope to see everybody there. We're going to be walking around the place, talking to all the Georgia, Florida fans alike, kind of talking about the game, the history of the game, the favorite moments. We're just going to have a good time. We're pumped up about it. We hope to see you there again. Sneaker Sports Grill, 111 Beach Boulevard. That's November 2nd, 2019, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Be there. JT. Week six is he, where is the what's happening? This season Man. is already almost halfway gone. It's going way too fast. It's ridiculous. It way felt like it took fast. forever to get here, and now it's just breezing on by. And what's frustrating the most about it, at least in my opinion, is we really don't know much about anybody that we no. didn't already know at the beginning of the season. Well, we did find out that A and M is not really who we thought they. That were. is true. We did give them a lot of credit. That is very yeah, they, true. Uh, they have they, they've disappointed me, man. Yeah. So I want to talk about something real quick, if, if you don't mind. Um, this Justin Fields Jake Fromm narrative. I want to nail this right off the, the top of the program because we we talked about the Ohio State. Are they the real deal? I believe yes. I'm enjoying watching Ohio State play football right now. They are dynamic on offense and defense. You know. They're, they're, they're moving the ball at will. Now, I understand their opponents arguably haven't been quality, right? But they're still a fun team to, to watch, and Justin Fields is a big part of that. Are you familiar with this narrative, JT, where I'm going with this? Well, I, I, let me say this, and I'll, I will let you have it after, after I say this. <laughs> um, they are putting up numbers. Justin Fields looks like a Heisman candidate. As Yep. You know, we as talk as about. we thought. Um, I want to see them face a credible defense with 
disguising coverages. Yep. Um, something that Justin Fields has to read. Maybe with some cornerbacks that can actually stick to these wide receivers at Ohio State. Yeah. A yeah. credible defensive line. Yeah. Um, when 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 I see that and he and he plays like he has been, and he's able to read those defenses. I might give him a lot more credit. Yeah. But right now, I'm just I'm still up in the air with him. I, mean, I can't. You can't take it away. I mean, he's a good athlete. Oh, he's, he's a fantastic great. athlete. Um, and and he has a, a cannon for an arm. Right. Um, but I, I just I want to see them face somebody that's got a credible defense, and if he shows me something out of that, then I will say, okay, Justin Fields, hey, uh, you know. You're yeah. there. Uh, I won't say I won't say anything else about it. I have a soft spot for Ohio State anyway. Now it's easier for me to cheer for them now because Urban Meyer is no longer there. Mm-hmm. I like what Ryan Day's doing. I like Ryan Day, um, and I like Justin Fields. I want him to be successful, of course, not at the expense of my Bulldogs. But if for whatever reason Georgia's not in the mix, I'm going to be pulling for Ohio State. Um, but the narrative that exists right now, JT, is that. There is lament among some Georgia fans the fact that Justin Fields left Athens to go to Ohio State, and they're making the argument that, well, we should have played Justin Fields in a different way. We should have done something different with Justin Fields to have kept him in Georgia. And I can't think of any scenario where we could have done that and not done something at the expense of Jake Fromm. Right. And I just think this narrative is absolutely absurd. And Dan Walken from USA Today, who I respect and I enjoy reading his articles for the most part, had a really just absurd take on this. And it wasn't the fact that he was saying, hey, why, are we aren't, why aren't we talking about the fact that Justin Fields left Georgia? He's now at Ohio State. Okay, fine. We knew that was coming, right? But when somebody kind of snapped back at him and said, that, hey, the two systems are completely different, this was his comment and it just kind of blew my mind. He said, if you don't have a system that can utilize a talent like Justin Fields, then your system sucks. Does it? That is absurd. Yes, yeah. That is clearly coming from somebody who really doesn't understand offensive football. And I'm not going to get into all of that in great detail because we actually covered that a lot in our interview with Mike Griffith. But I just I want people to know that me as a fan, and I think I speak for the majority of Georgia fans, we are okay with the fact that Justin Fields moved on to do something he thought was better for him and that he is the starter at Ohio State. We wish him success. We hope he does great. But I also agree with you, JT. We need to see him against an elite defense. And I actually agreed with Danny Cannell, another shocker, right? He said wow. the same thing that you said, that, hey – Justin Fields is great, but we haven't seen him against an elite defense. Jake Fromm was a, is a proven commodity. He took the Bulldogs to within a play of winning the national championship in his uh, freshman year. How would you start anybody over him? Do you know what I mean? I hate to say that Danny Cannell is, is along my same lines of thinking. Oh, he was. But, uh, you know, good for Danny. Yeah, good for you too, man. That's That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on. I, I'm not gonna get, I'm not ranting, but I hope Justin Fields does great. I, I love watching him play. Now I will say that every receiver he has thrown to has been wide open. 
Mm-hmm. He has not had windows to throw it into, and he's throwing this thing a country mile, this ball, every single time, and it's great. But And you can't take away his athleticism when he decides to run the ball. He's just he's doing great, and it, it's been fun to watch. Yeah. So let's talk some SEC football, JT. Uh, um, let's, let's start off with our, 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 our Bulldogs, okay? Uh, week four, they didn't have a game. They had a bye, game, uh, bye week, uh, week five, okay? So they didn't play anybody, which is good. Uh, what was your reaction to the Georgia-Notre Dame game? Um, I think we started out a little shaky. Yeah. Um, you know, we gave them uh, a touchdown, basically, you know, on a silver platter uh, with the drop punt or the muff punt. Um, after that, I mean, we kind of settled in. Um, Notre Dame on paper, and I, me and you talk, both talked about this. Yep. Notre Dame on paper – we should have ran the ball all over them. Right. That was what, um, and that was the general consensus of this game. Everybody yeah, thought yeah. that's what was going to happen. Now, I will say this, and I believe you know this. Closer we got to the game, I started to get nervous. I said, "Hey, man, there no one believes in Notre Dame, and that to me is going to make Notre Dame very dangerous when they roll into Athens." You know, they had all this negative talk, and they played through that, man. You know, no one thought, just, just like what you just said, Georgia was supposed to run it all over and blow the doors off of Notre Dame. Yep. To include Vegas, who could put the spread at, what was it, two touchdowns, I think, at, yeah, at kickoff? Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you had some folks, including myself, who said, yeah, even if it was a three-touchdown point spread, I would still take Georgia. You know, but like you said, on paper, we should have we should have uh, blew the doors off of them, but, boy, it didn't happen. But I agree they, with you. Yeah, they uh I mean they're defensively, man, they didn't miss tackles. I mean No. Not not until not until, you know, around the middle of the third quarter, somewhere around in there, you yeah. could see them you could see the fatigue kind of setting in right. on, on the game. And we were able to kind of get some guys loose. Um but uh I thought Jake played a a great game. Um uh, thought we should have targeted some guys a little bit more on the, in the passing yep. game. Uh, I agree. Cager, Cager came out huge. He had a breakout game. Um, but uh, other than that, man, um, I mean, I thought our I thought our defense played outstanding. Um, they uh, they contained uh, Book yep. pretty well. Um, I don't think we give them like forty something yards rushing. Um, the only thing that killed us was that big tight end, man. That commit yeah. guy. It took us a while to adjust to him, too. Yeah. And, I mean, it was like, you know, it took three, four guys to bring him down. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but eventually we kind of adjusted to that, you know, and um, that wasn't there as much. But, right. uh, man, he's that, that, that guy, man. He's he's going to be uh, he's gonna be something in that level. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a Sunday player for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you, and I think you know this, and anybody that was around me that night knows this, I was not in a great mood with that game. I was not impressed. My instant reaction to that game was, wow, this is not what Georgia needed to do was come out here this flat and kind of playing uninspired considering the environment they were in. You know what I mean? Uh, And I'm specifically referencing the offensive side of the ball. I thought we were saving up with the first, you know, three weeks. We were saving up our offensive plays, the the big, you know, dynamic plays, the electric plays, 
for Notre Dame, and it just wasn't that wasn't the case at all. It was kind of a pedestrian play calling in regards to the offense, and maybe that was on me. You know, again, we've said this before: expectations are unfair sometimes. So maybe that's my fault. But the initial thought was, "Wow, we we they Notre Dame, they're serious. They have a really good defensive line." Yeah. And here on second, I watch every Georgia game twice. The first time I watch it as a fan because I want to be able to enjoy it first. And then the second time I come, I look at it from a more analytical standpoint as best I can. And at second watch, I will admittedly say, okay, we, we, I felt a little better about it, maybe because I knew the end result of the game already. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you and your assessment. By the th- midway of the third quarter, Georgia really started to lean in on them mm-hmm. and, and start to put it away. I do wish Kirby would have – went for it on fourth and one or whatever it was and, and and gone for the touchdown. But, hey, whatever. The game ended the way it was supposed to – in our favor. It ended the way it was supposed to end with a 23-17 yeah, win. There was there was a lot of a lot of criticism uh, about that call. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, so what happens if you don't make it? Yeah, um, I know. Then we're calling know, him, yeah. And, I mean, you're pretty much – Pretty much automatic with with hot rod, uh, but you know, it's uh, I, you know, like you, I, I rewatched it and um, there was a lot of plays, man, a mm. lot of plays, and I think I mentioned this to you. Uh, we execution wise, we missed a lot of blocks. Yeah, um, we which, did. Uh, you know, our tight ends, receivers, you know, our normal. I mean, they're normally just spot on with their blocks you know downfield and everything but our tight ends you know they missed missed a few blocks some key some key blocks uh, i know one especially was uh the uh, end around that uh matt landers yeah that we yeah. gave up matt landers and uh and their linebacker caught him caught him behind the line uh and you can watch it in slow motion i mean he saw it coming and I think I can't remember. I believe it was Charlie Warner. It was Charlie Warner. He missed his block. But, uh, yeah, just totally just got beat to the spot. Yeah. Man, and and the guy blew that play up. Uh, but I'm not sure really why we would be running Matt Landers on you know on an end around uh, yeah. rather than Cook or you know somebody like that. But yeah, well you know I'll, I'll say this, and this kind of goes into what you were just saying. That was probably the most complete game I've ever seen a Notre Dame team play, at least in the past six, seven years. It was complete all the way up until the last part of the game, the last half, you know, the last quarter and a half of the game, right? So, without a doubt, Notre Dame brought their A game. That was the best game I've ever seen them play. Georgia had their B-minus game. If you watch it. So, I guess as a fan, I'm like, all right, cool. But the problem I have with all that is is we're at the point of the schedule with Georgia. You cannot start slow like that and recover. If you start that slow against Florida or Auburn or even A&M or Missouri, there may not be a way to recover from that. So, they're going to have to find a way to hit the gas early and do not let up and hopefully – they really open up this offense and let Jake Fromm do what Jake Fromm does, and that is control the game, score some points. Right. 
So I hope I think we'll see that. I think we'll see George Pickens more involved. We'll see Cager more involved and Eli Wolf and Dominant Blaylock. I love Dominant Blaylock. Really cool. Oh, yeah. Really really, really yeah. cool name and just a, He's gonna be special. He really is. And George Pickens is too. I, I got a good feeling about George. I think everybody does. Uh and then of course you got DeAndre Swift. You know, you have five running backs. Um so, you know. Okay, so not much to say about Alabama. Their business, as usual, had no trouble, obviously, with Ole Miss. I know there were some collective breath holding, maybe, because they were down at some point the ten, at, like, 10-7 to Ole Miss. Well, that didn't last very long. And and Bama rolled uh, really easily to a 59-31 win over Ole Miss. Uh, this is, of course, week five. Uh, Auburn. Can we talk about Auburn and how unbelievably impressive Auburn has been this season compared to what they were last season, all with a freshman quarterback? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, Auburn, they, they take down Mississippi State very convincingly, 56-23. Now I know the argument can be made that Mississippi State did not have the players they normally would on account of suspensions and I think some injuries. Tommy Stevens goes down yet again. And they had Garrett Schrader come in, who isn't necessarily the passer that Tommy Stevens is, but is still a quality quarterback. But Auburn right now looks legit, and they look like one of the most complete teams, not just in the ACC, but in the country. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I've actually, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that, and I've kind of been in a little Twitter battle with some, some people uh, today. I love Twitter battles. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they had the, the guy, I can't remember what, who it was, but they were, he was given his top four, and you know, he had Ohio State as number one, uh-huh. and uh, didn't even have Auburn in the top four. And I was like, um, wow, you know, I mean, can't don't you have to give Auburn some credit for, you know, their body of work so far? Um, I mean, I think they're the only team that's played two ranked opponents so far. They are the only team who has played and won or played and beaten two top 25 opponents. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the guy was arguing. He was like, well, that's the reason why they don't get true rankings until, you know, last six weeks of the season. Oh. Um, and I was like, well – I said, you know, I understand that's when the college football playoff starts. I said, but, um, you know, don't they look back at your body of work, you know, considering what you've done throughout the season? And, then, you know, of course, it went on and on and on and on. Sure. And that, and that was my argument, you know, is about, uh, about they're the only team, uh, and I think this was an Ohio State uh, fan. Ah. But, uh and, 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 yeah, I told him, uh, you know, Ohio State is good. I said, but given Ohio State, their schedule, if it was Auburn's schedule, you know, would they want that to be a credible schedule yeah. looking back? And that's you know? such uh, such a hard argument yeah. to have, isn't it? It is. It is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they look uh, – Bo Nix has uh, is, is surprised me. Uh, with his with his play, he's not lighting um, the world on fire, but he's doing what needs to be done. Well, he doesn't really have to. That's the thing because yeah. 
their their defense, man, is just off the chain. Which we knew that was going to be the case. We knew yep. Auburn was going to be solid defensively, especially in the trenches, right? What right. was the question mark was the offense was you know right. obviously Bo Nix. Um, how is their running game going to be? And Booby Whitlow has shown us, well, it's pretty good. And then Anthony yeah. Swartz, who is faster than fast and is a pro- going to be a problem for anybody they play, they're a dangerous football team right now. And we said at the top yep. of the program, the SEC West appears to have three legit college football playoff contenders, and Auburn's one of them. Yeah. And granted, one of those wins was against A&M, which we were you know, talking about at the top. You know, was, yeah. We're kind of disappointed in, in – and what they've become, because we all thought they'd be better. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, just just watching them, you know, and their execution, and like you said, Schwartz, man, he's he's a burner. Um, and uh, their receivers, you know. Yeah. Uh, Seth Williams. Seth Williams, yeah. He showed up. Yeah, he showed up to be a big time receiver. Um, and and Whitlow with the with the rush game. So we'll see, uh, you know, how it goes. I, I, you know, I expect them to handle business in the swamp this weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that one because that's actually one of our picks of the of the week yeah. here. Uh, but while you're talking about the swamp, we got Auburn. We're talking about them. Uh, I still, you know, think they're so dangerous. And I, I'm nervous about them in November, but we'll get to that. Uh, what do we know about Florida through five weeks? Do we know anything about them? The only thing that I know is that their offensive line still has problems. They have a lot of problems on the offensive line. Towson um, is a is an FBS program and very small on the defensive line. They were able to penetrate not on the edges, right up the middle, mm-hmm. and get to Kyle Trask, who's been pretty solid, by the way. With Mr. Mr. Trask there under center been been really good for the Gators. Um, I don't think we know much about him either, JT. I I feel like they really haven't played anybody with a pulse in regards to an elite defense. I know the argument can be made Miami was really good defensively last year. Well, they also were in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't. I'm not. Hey, ACC fans, sorry. It is what it is. The ACC is an absolute joke. Let's let's call it what it is, okay? And Florida was not impressive against Miami. Florida no, was won. not impressive against Kentucky. Kentucky lost that game more than Florida won that game. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So the two times that I considered Florida to even remotely have been tested, they didn't look good. The other team had to find a way to squander the opportunity and lose it for themselves. Uh, but I will not take away from the fact that Florida has a good quarterback and they have a good defense. Damian Pierce might be the only chance for them to have a running game, but even then, it has been less than impressive. Less than impressive. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And and like you said, you know, we're going to talk about the picks and everything, but yep. I, I am I'm really anxious to see what their offensive line does against Auburn's defensive line this weekend. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take know. a we're going to take a quick break because we got Statman going to call us in. He's going to join us in for the last part of this. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back, folks. 
All right, we're back. We got Statman with us. What's up, Statman? Hey, guys. Hey, he's going to be with us for a short, brief time to talk some uh, talk some football with us. We were just talking about the Florida Gators and kind of just asking ourselves, do we know much about them right now, five weeks into the season? What's your take on the Florida Gators right now? My take is, uh, you know, they've, they've squeaked easy. out a couple of – hey, now. They've, they've squeaked out a couple of good wins. Um, over the next four weeks, we're going to find out a lot more about them. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to find out that they're a very mediocre team. Yeah. Um, I think they would uh, compete a little bit better if they had Felipe Franks. I still think they would lose their next three out of the four, but I feel like it would be a more competitive more competitive matchup right. over the next four weeks. We have to uh, acknowledge this, though. If somehow, some way, they beat Auburn, we have to acknowledge the fact that Florida might just be an elite football team and riding I the would, luck. I, I wouldn't say uh, elite. Yeah. I would say they're a, a very good football team. Well, But, uh, I mean, if, if they do somehow beat Auburn, I, I think uh, we have to start talking about them being a, a for real football team, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to some picks here. Hopefully we still got you on the line by then. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the SEC, there's not much to talk about. There's not a whole lot to talk about with A&M other than, look, A&M just isn't what we thought they were going to be. That's Pure true. and simple. And they're just not. Uh, I'm not as concerned about them. I still am because it's a Jimbo Fisher team. You know, there's a lot of time between now and when Georgia plays them. Uh, A&M is going to get a quality win somewhere along the way. I don't know who. Uh, I don't see them beating LSU. I certainly don't see them beating Bama. So, you know, and – I definitely don't think they're going to beat Georgia. So, well, it's, I mean, I, I predicted them to go nine and three. Uh, yeah, I will own up to that. I thought they were going to be a lot better. Well, a lot of um, people did. Yeah. But they're gonna they're gonna go through the rest of the year, beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, and lose to the teams that they're supposed to lose yeah. to. And next um, year may very well be the time that A and M is in the talks for being a yeah. part of a competitive uh, nature that is the SEC West. Uh, not a lot to say about Mississippi State. Not really impressed with what they've got going on. The most impressive win so far to me has been over Kentucky. Uh, I don't know what y'all's opinion is on Mississippi State. Y'all got one? Uh, no. Not, 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 a very, not a very big opinion on them. The other Bulldogs. Uh, Kentucky, I'm really, really disappointed in Kentucky. I wanted them to do better. I thought they had – they did have Florida on the ropes – and they found a way to really Kentucky that game away. There's no other way to say it. They imploded there at the end and gave it away. Well, well, now I think Terry Wilson is a big, big problem. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And you know, now they're down to their what third, their third string quarterback now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's it's a, that's a big hit, man. Sawyer Smith did what I thought was a really good job against Florida, considering. I mean, yeah. he still made yeah. some, some serious mistakes, especially towards the end of the game, but he did pretty good. Ole Miss is a wash. They just are. Um, yeah. You know, they they, did, they started out competitive against Bama, surprisingly, but they they uh, they fills it out pretty quick. Man, I don't even know what to do with Arkansas because how do you lose to San Jose State? First of all, I know nothing about San Jose State. Are they like what – what's their – the banana slugs? Is that their mascot? I don't even know what, the, what, that, what they are. Uh, well, I can tell you this about them. Uh, last season, they were ranked dead last in the FBS. Well, they took down Arkansas, and we, we're going to have to face this at some point, Arkansas. 
Okay? This is ridiculous. No. And then they keep really it tight the, against A&M. Can you really use the term take down Arkansas? Is that, is that really the appropriate well, they, term, you they, think? Like you take down a poster of Justin Bieber once you get out of that phase from your wall. You know yeah, what I mean? That, that, it, uh, yeah, there you go. It, it wasn't like a violent, overwhelming takedown. It was a, yeah, I, I don't know. A, I don't know. A sit down, maybe? Hey, sit down, Razorbacks. Not a trip. Yeah, yeah they, they tripped him up. Trip. Not much to say about Vandy. Very underwhelming. Um, I happen to like Vandy every year. I don't know why I like Vandy. I think Derek Mason's a great coach and a quality person. He just he just can't get an offense. Um, the next three teams that well LSU they are we know what LSU is. They are an yeah, offensive juggernaut right now. Yeah. Well, I, let me let me tell you something about, about tell me LSU. something. All right. Um, you're you're absolutely correct in in them being offensive juggernaut. Yeah. Let me just throw some stats out here to oh, you. Oh boy. Um do you know who their rushing leader is right now? Well, you know, not off the top of my head. I don't, and I kind of feel dumb. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's all right. It's Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, okay. I, I would have said him, but yeah. I thought it was a trick attempts. question. Yeah, he's got fifty one attempts for two hundred and eighty eight yards. Do you know who the next highest rusher is? Is it Leonard um, Fournette? No. Matter of fact, he's off the team right now. Yeah, he now. did. He I left. saw that. Was yeah. it Joe Burrow then? No, Joe's doing nothing but throwing. No, it's, it's, John, it's, John, it's John Ingram. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, do you know how many rush yards he has? 11. Hmm. Six, 69. 16. Hi. Nice. Yeah. Well so, played. So, you, so you've got... 288 yards yeah. for Edward Solaire. I don't I don't see guys. the point, JT. I don't I'm missing the point. What's the point? There's a gap. A huge <laughs> gap. Huge. Yeah, huge I gap. huge. It's huge, folks. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And you know what? Here's what I said. Um, Here's my argument against for not against LSU this year. Does LSU this year is scary? Let's just say pass it. happy, man. Pass happy. Oh, sure. Why not? And there's there's no hiding it. That's what they're doing. You know they got that guy from the Saints, Joe Brady. Is that his name? Isn't mm-hmm. that is that Tom's brother? Tom Brady's brother? I don't know if it is, but <laughs> but the point is here, here's my point with with LSU. I don't see any sustainability with this offense. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say this: Who is QB two? No one knows, right? I don't know. I have no idea. I'd have to Google it. And the reason I'm asking this is because 2020 rolls around. Joe Burrow is not there anymore. Well, now you've got a guy who no one knows right now. He may very well be good, but he's no Joe Burrow. Well, then you're going to have to rely on a freshman quarterback who you're going to have to recruit for 2020 to carry out this same system. So, And they may very well be able to do that. I just don't see that. QB2 is Miles Brennan. Cool. Yeah. I think his dad, owns a, like his dad owns a Ford dealership down there in Baton Rouge. I don't know. Yeah. He was a pretty highly talented recruit coming out. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But again, what experience? How many times did he saw the? Did he see the field at all last season? Because Joe Burrow, right now, when they played Vandy, Joe Burrow was still in the game at, at, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. he's only got uh, sixteen completions out of twenty-five attempts, um, which is you know it's not bad. Not bad. Trash but, time uh, is garbage time, I'm sure. 
Yeah, pretty much. Nothing meaningful. Much. But the point is, is he is he going to be able to take this system? And he might. He very well might. I'd have to research, but that 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 would be my initial quick reaction concern for LSU in the future. But that gap, I didn't know that gap existed. That's that's good stuff between uh, yeah. Hilaire and John Emery Jr. That's pretty pretty sizable gap there. Yeah. Um, you got anything on LSU there, Statman? Um, nope. I think you guys covered it. Cool. So South Carolina. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about them. Um, um, Will Muschamp stays there, numbered. Yeah, I think so. Um, because his wife, his own, his own wife, doesn't even like him right now. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's kind of personal. Jeez, man. He won. He he beat Kentucky. Twenty-four to seven. He said that in an interview. That his wife doesn't like him. Yeah. Well, it's Columbia, South Carolina. So no, it's actually Columbia is actually a nice place. I like Columbia, South Carolina. I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of them. Um, I think they have some great-looking uniforms, but I don't think they're. I think they'll they'll go bowling this year, but yeah. I, I kind of feel like uh, I don't think they're going to upset anybody. You know. No, nah, they're they're gonna. It's like it's the same thing with Texas A&M. They're going to beat the teams that they're supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk and, about. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Um, the Braves just lost. Yeah, they did. I saw to... that. Seven six. Way to go. Depression. Depression is setting in, guys. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, All right. I so, figured real quick before we lose your stat, man. Mizzou. I'm still thinking Mizzou is going to be number two in the East. I'm standing by that. I said that at the, before the season started. I said it after the season started. I'm sticking by you, Mizzou. Do not let me down. But you're not going to beat Georgia. You're just not. They kind of went quiet after the loss to Wyoming and have been systematically taking care of business. So yep. I think Mizzou is still going to be a threat. What are we going to do with Tennessee, guys? What's happening? Oh, man, they need to just go in there and just bulldoze the whole place is what they need to do. Yeah, and you know, Phil Fulmer just released a statement that was kind of the counter of what we were hearing or what I was hearing before that, and he had made a comment that, yeah, he's ready to step in and coach any time. How true that is, I don't know, but that was a rumor that was circulating, which made me think the same thing the stat man just said about Will Muschamp. Jeremy Pruitt's probably not going to be in Knoxville next season, and I still don't think he will be. I don't think he will either. No, I don't. And I, I don't know what it is. There's, I can't it, figure I mean, it it's out. All, it, it is only his second year, but you're not supposed to lose to Georgia State and BYU in the same with, season with, with the amount of talent that you already I mean it wasn't a lot of talent there wasn't it wasn't a talent loaded roster um but you're you're not supposed to lose to those teams if you're if you're an SEC team I agree um, and you know you say that about the talent I don't know man because and we had an interview with Mike Griffith and we he kind of said this it wasn't that long ago when Tennessee was top 10 2016 you know right and that was the was that the year of the hobnail boot when Josh Hobbs threw the hell mary. Yeah, yeah, that was the year that they were supposed to win the national championship, and all their fans were saying that that was the hardest, the the most difficult game that they were going to play that year was the national championship. Sure, and they ended up not doing that. But the point is, they were a top two. They left they left Sanford Stadium ranked number seven in the country mm-hmm. at that time. So it wasn't that long ago. So and some of those guys, Juwan Jennings included. And was on that team, so they have talent, but I don't know. Well, I'll tell you this: Jeremy Banks didn't help Pruitt out at all. 
No, he didn't. You're right. Yeah, that was that was not good. No. Statman, how much time you got, buddy? I got two minutes left, you and got I want to. I want to give y'all something to uh to talk about after I after I get off. Give here. me something. Um, you know the big thing is right now is paying the players. California just signed a bill. It doesn't go into effect until twenty three uh twenty twenty three. Yeah. Uh, here, here's some uh some numbers for you. Um, okay. USC, University of California, they brought in one hundred sixty three million dollars in athletic revenue last season with uh six hundred seventy six hundred and seventy eight student athletes. That would uh that would give each student athlete, if it was divvied up, you know, a hundred percent, uh what you call it, even. Uh, that would give each student athlete two hundred forty thousand dollars and four hundred two hundred forty thousand and four hundred twelve dollars. Out of that hundred sixty three million. Yes. But how what where where does the money come from for USC to improve football facilities? I would assume boosters. And, I mean, they wouldn't, obviously, obviously they wouldn't hand out all of that money to their no. student-athletes. Um, the tuition at that school is $52,283 a year. Yep. And uh, that money that they would that, that they brought in is enough money to pay for the full tuition of one student-athlete, two additional students, and half for another. Right. Um, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Obviously, the student-athletes wouldn't get all of that themselves, but there's absolutely no reason that there would be no way to find a way to pay these players that are bringing in this amount of money for your college. And I don't necessarily think it's the money aspect as much as I think is the parity that would exist between your star quarterback on the Trojans versus the star lacrosse player. Which one brings in more revenue for the school, football or lacrosse? And, and that's that's the thing about it. They, yeah. they The bill that they signed is – Players can make name, make money off their name and their likeness. Right, and and that's this is where they can get endorsements. They can go to a dealership that's in their local town and be paid for their appearance. The school's not actually right. paying them. This is all about. I want you to come to my Foot Locker and sign autographs, and I'll pay you three hundred fifty bucks for the day. Mm-hmm. Cool, and I'm fine with that. I have no issue with that at all. But I, but I like the numbers you're throwing out there. That you know, that's pretty good. Um, it's it's a tough thing to chew on. I don't think we have enough information. There's some unintended consequences. We talk about this with Mike Griffith a little bit in the interview, so he he had some interesting takes on it, and it's going yeah, to be interesting. To that. What's that? I'm excited to hear that interview. Yeah, you guys had. Uh, and you know, this is one of those things that it's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. You know, and the NCAA has plenty of time to figure out how to how to regulate this, and they will. I assure you, they will. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Statman, thank you so much, brother. We appreciate you. Wish you could stay around for us a little longer. Uh, you and me both, man. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, guys. Man. Statman, or I'm sorry, JT. Hi. JT. How are you, man? <laughs> you hanging in there? Hey, you know what I didn't have to do today? What did you not have to do? I didn't have to do any lawn work. No yard work at all. It's still hot down here in South Georgia. Yes, it is. It's super hot. And I'm so glad I didn't have to do any yard work at all. Our good friends over at JD's Landscaping took care of all of it for me. They can take care of all of it for you. Give them a call. Trey Heath, 912-271-6320. Anything and everything you can come up with that has to do with your lawn, 
they can do it. You need sod, they got it. You need irrigation, they can put it in for you. You want some stonework done, they can do that too. Just give them a call. Again, 912-271-6320. We appreciate the work they do on our lawn and also for being a sponsor of our great little podcast here. Yes. JT, week six. Let's do some picks. You ready? Hey, hey. But yeah. I've got to get back to week four. Week four. Just, just, just briefly. Okay. Just briefly. I've got to get to the UCF loss. Uh, you know what? You're right. Did, let's let's get to them. Uh, so, we we missed a week, so we do. I know old news, right? Because they did have a win. But let's talk about UCF. Yeah. So are they credible anymore now? I mean, no. They're 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 fake national championship. You know? No, they're not so, credible. They weren't credible when they went into Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know. That's who they played, right? Yeah, Pitt. And it was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a yeah, trick, they lost, trick play. They lost on the Pittsburgh special. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going <laughs> to knock UCF. I think they're ranked number two out of the nation in offensive production. But, again, their conference is whatever. But, yeah, I was I was really happy with that loss. And I hoped, yeah, I, I hoped they were humbled with that. But, no, they weren't. Of course not. No. Of course not. But uh, I think everybody around the uh, nation was kind of, kind of giggling about it. Oh yeah. Except for, except for UCF. And except for Orlando as a whole, like the entire city. Yeah. Probably I was in Orlando. I was, I was in Orlando. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Wow. That would have been yeah. interesting to be anywhere in Orlando, any kind of sports bar or, or anywhere that was viewing that game. Oh, boy. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually, I was at, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings in Orlando. Yeah. And uh, I was watching the Georgia Notre Dame game with the Central Florida Bulldog Club, um, who graciously invited us in to watch it. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if they listen to the podcast or not, but uh, yeah, they need a, to. Uh, we had, yeah, we had a great time. Um, I did give us a little plug, you know. Sure. A couple of them were in, at our podcast, but uh, yeah, it was uh, by that time, you know, all the uh, all the UCF fans had, had emptied that particular <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, That's all so, right. Yeah, it was so yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, but, uh, we yeah, we got to say this too. Um, you you said the Bulldog Club of Orlando. There was a there's a Notre Dame club in Atlanta. I don't know what their official name is, but. Um, apparently, we're super impressed with the hospitality they received uh, during the the Bulldogs game, and uh, they took out a full page ad and to say as much, say hey, thank you for your hospitality. We really appreciate it. So I, I was happy to see that. Um, I was also happy to see that all the the injuries the players sustained from Notre Dame they recovered in full. Yeah, as much trash as people talks about the. Athens fan base and the Georgia fan base get an awful lot of credit for being classy, don't we? Yeah, and for them to put that out, yeah, yeah, it was classy uh, on their part as well. That speaks volumes. It really does. Classy on their part as well. From what I understand, they were super nice and super welcoming to the Georgia Bulldog faithful when they went to uh, to South Bend. So, all right, let's do some pitch real quick, JT. I'm gonna throw some at you and tell me what you got, and I'll write them down here on my handy dandy notepad. 
First of all, California Golden Bears, they're going to travel to Oregon. Right now, Oregon is favored by 18. Who you got? Uh, I'm gonna take the uh, I'll take the clocks on that one. Yeah, yeah, I think I will too. Because uh, you know, Oregon they are not Oregon. California beat Ole Miss, and they were riding high because they beat an SEC team, and then they they lose uh, last week to Arizona State, which is exactly kind of what I actually picked that one to happen. So, no. um, let's see, Michigan State Spartans will be visiting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State is favored by 20 here. This will be the best defense Ohio State has faced this season. Is the Buckeyes an upset alert here? Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think Michigan State has the uh, has the athletes to, to compete with Ohio State. I agree. I don't think they do either. I would take Ohio State plus the points. Uh, they, I mean, I definitely not plus the points. I think they, they cover yeah. on Michigan State. Um, here's another one that's interesting to me right now. The Iowa um, Hawkeyes will go to Michigan. Michigan is favored in this by three and a half right now. I'm calling Iowa to win this game. Yeah, I, I like the Hawkeyes, man. Yep, I do too. I think Iowa pulls off the upset here. Uh, speaking of upset, I've also got UCF on upset alert again this week. They travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats, or whatever that is, and UCF is favored by four right now. What is a bearcat? I don't know. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. I'd like to know what a bearcat is. Yeah, well, I don't. I would like to know what they are by Google, not by stumbling upon a bearcat. Yeah, but, I, I'd like to Google it and see what they yeah. find a bearcat. So who you got? Um, you got yeah. the bearcats or the golden or the what are they? The knights? I don't even know anymore. Um, the black knights. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I mean, I. Cincinnati, you know, they painted their field black. It looks awesome. And yeah, I think you know it's going to be a real hype, hype atmosphere and everything. Yeah. But uh, I just, I, I, I think the, uh, I think UCF will, will, will come out on top on that. Okay, one. all right, all right. So here's another one that's kind of an interesting matchup: Texas and West Virginia. Texas is favored by ten and a half. Uh, I think Texas is going to more than cover, and I think they're going to completely dismantle the Mountaineers. Yeah, I, I like Texas in that one. Okay. Here's one that uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is upset alert. Maybe we'll see. Oklahoma traveling to take on Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks. Oklahoma favored by thirty three right now. Are we concerned about an upset? I don't think we're concerned about an upset. Okay, I didn't uh, think so. I, I really um, I don't know if it's going to be as bad as what people think mm, it is. I don't know, man. I think 33 is probably pretty close to what it should be. I, I, you know, Les Miles, he has all kinds of tricks up his sleeve. He does. Never, he does. You never know, man. But, yeah, I, I'm going I'm to take Oklahoma on it for sure. All right. Here's Auburn. Travels into the swamp to take on the Gators. Right now, Auburn is favored by three. Who do you I got? Think it'll be more, I think it'll be worse than that. Um, I like uh, I like the War Eagle um, to go into swamp. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Take care of business. I, I just don't think 
the Gators' offensive line will be able to sustain the attack that Auburn has on the defensive line. I just don't. I think Kyle Trask is going to have a hard time. I mean, they're still going to make plays. They're going to score some points, but I just think Auburn is way too good, way too fast for Florida. I believe Florida essentially gets exposed in this game. I go with Auburn, and I think they more than cover. Uh, now here's one for just for me and you, and I don't think there's any question here. UGA goes in the Knoxville. UGA right now is favored by 24 and a half. Obviously, we pick UGA to win. Do we cover that? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, I hope so. I hope this is what I hope. And I'm sorry, Tennessee fans, you guys. 2019 is a wash for you. You should have just go ahead and accept that, right? I hope Georgia stretches its legs and really and shows the country really, something. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to see us kind of kind of show uh, show off a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I want to see Zamir White in the game more. I want to see James Cook. I want to see Kenny McIntosh. I want to see Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens. I want to see the one of the guys from the Spite Squad score a touchdown in this game. Hey, I you know? just want to come. I just want to come out of Newland Stadium and the turf. I want to come out of there healthy. Yeah. That's what I want. That's right. Because you know, you know that Neyland Stadium turf, man. It seems to always bite us somehow. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. Um, yeah, I think so. We said something at the top of the program. We didn't t- talk about them. I'm going to talk about Clemson as we begin to close out. Um, Clemson survives an upset bid from North Carolina. North Carolina was a two-point conversion away from winning that football game. Clemson bad just call. does get it, 21-20. I don't know if there was a, well, it was a bad play call. It was, right, a, it was right, a bad yeah. play call. Me and you kind of stand but, on two different sides here. Um, my side, I'll let you tell yours. My side is, yeah, go for it, for sure. But don't do that call. Let's, yeah. let's go with something different, you know? I mean, I, I, understand, I understand why he did what he did. Yeah. I don't understand the call. Right. I understand going for two, you know, trying to get the win. Um. I like the fact, though, being at home, number one ranked team in the country. Right. You've got a legitimate shot to upset these guys. Um, go ahead and kick the field goal. Tie the game up. you got a minute left. You know, play for overtime. Who knows what could happen in overtime? You, you've been successful running the football against them. You know, so why not? Why not take a chance? You know, why not take a chance? I know. But he did. Yeah. He, he took a chance, but the play call was horrible. You just, you just can't, you just can't do that. Um, but I definitely you know, agree with you. When you're at home, you take the points and you you force overtime. Yeah. I get it, but Matt Brown. You know what Matt Brown showed me? Even though he lost to Appalachian State the week before. Is he still – you don't just forget how to coach. And effectively, oh, I think Dabo Swinney got a little outcoached on this game by Matt Brown. And, oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. There was no doubt. So that was a fun game to watch, especially if you're if you're not a fan of Clemson. Uh, I, I feel one way – I don't feel one way or another about Clemson, but I do know this. The Clemson that played North Carolina this year is not the Clemson that played Alabama in the national championship. It's just not. No, so, the, the Clemson – Clemson, Clemson got a little exposed in this in this game. They did. Um, their 
their defensive line is not what it has been. Right. Um, albeit they they are good. Oh yeah, they're very good. good. Um, they do play in a weak conference. Yep. Um, so that's that's that. But uh, defensively, they just they don't have the they don't have the horses, man. That they that they did. They're uh, feeling the NFL it. draft right now because the NFL there's yeah. a lot of Clemson players on the NFL yeah. rosters yeah. right now. But they're still a good football team. They're still, you know, in the in, still, in the top five. They still have Trevor Lawrence. They still have Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, they, they still, still got, got Justin Ross, Ross. Travis Etienne. Got, uh, Travis Etienne. Yeah. I mean, you know, so good football they, team. They got, yeah, they got weapons, man. They got weapons. Well, this season is shaping up to surely be an interesting one. We can't wait to see how it plays out. We hope at the end of it, when the dust settles, that Georgia comes out holding that national championship trophy. We still got several weeks before we know what happens and who who's adding a legit contender, who not. But these next four weeks are going to tell a big story for a lot of teams in the SEC, man. You know, uh, Florida's got a tough stretch here. Georgia's got a tough stretch. Uh, we're getting into the meat of it now. You know, playtime yep. is over, and it's exciting to see. Um, so, hey, guys, again, remi- just a quick reminder, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, subscribe to our channels. November 2nd, 2019, at 111 Beach Boulevard, Jacksonville Beach, Florida, Sneaker Sports Grill, the podcast, uh, the Dropouts podcast will be there live and in person. We'll be set up in the restaurant. We'll be out in the street talking to you, the fans, and having a good time. Come and see us. The game is at 3.30, Jacksonville. We're going to be right there at Jacksonville Beach having a good time, enjoying what I know is going to be beautiful weather. Me and JT will probably be out on the beach a little bit that morning. And then uh, this place is right there, man. You walk out the front door, there's the beach. It's beautiful. You know, so yeah. you guys come see us. Come hang out with us. We can't wait to see you. We can't wait to be there. JT, we're going to say bye to the people, man. All right, guys. Uh, man, it's been a been a fast couple of uh, weeks here yep. it's moving by quick uh but hey you know we've learned some stuff that we didn't know and and uh, some things are kind of starting to shake out so we'll see what the uh, next couple of weeks holds for us yep um and uh from here on out man it's it's go time yes sir play time is over that's right looking mm-hmm. forward to it hey but, state uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, stay stay tuned, folks, for the interview with Mike Griffith on the other side of this. You'll hear it. Uh, again, great insight. We appreciate him. Check him and his uh, the rest of uh, the DogNation.com staff, uh, Brandon Adams, Dog Nation Daily, and then, of course, uh, Jeff Sintel with his intel when it comes to Georgia recruiting. Connor Riley, they all write some really great articles there on Dog Nation. Find them on Twitter, and uh, we appreciate his time. Guys, we really appreciate you and your time. Love and light. Go dogs. God bless you. Go dogs. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dropouts Podcast. I am Hunter, and I'm joined with JT, and we have a very, very special guest on the phone, Mr. Mike Griffith from the world-famous DogNation.com. How are you, Mike? Doing great, guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, We're going to go ahead and get into this as we got some questions that we want to ask you because I'm a fan of you since you come. I pretty much started listening and following DogNation.com pretty much about the time when you come on with them. Yeah. And I've enjoyed your coverage. I've enjoyed – your just your point blankness, if that's a way I can say it. How you how you yeah, always well, approach your coverage? Well, that's, I don't think I'm smart enough to do it any other way. So <laughs> I, I better keep it simple and stupid. I hear you. So <laughs> let me let me ask you this right off the top because um, 
you you have written some a couple articles that brought this question to mind. In regards to UGA's offense going into week six, can we expect mm-hmm. to see somewhat of an evolution with their offense in Knoxville? Yeah, one way or another, you know, and, and that's kind of a trick question because so much of what Georgia does, you know, depends on what the defense is doing. That's and right. and you also and you also got to keep this caveat if you're Georgia. There's one guy that you can't afford to lose on that offense. We know who it is, right? And, and the defense knows who it is too. So whatever you do cannot come at the cost of exposing Jake Fromm to unnecessary risk. So as much as I think a lot of Georgia fans and, and just college football fans in general, they love offense. Everybody loves offense. Man, you got a quarterback like Jake Fromm back there. Man, it'd be great if he threw it 45 times a game. Well, you know what? That's him dropping back 45 times a game. That's 45 times that he could get hit. Absolutely. So a lot of what a lot of what Georgia does is about efficiency, and and Kirby's not a guy that's not going to take any more risks than he has to because it's a we've seen this before. We saw it last year. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, for gold for Georgia to win a national championship, you're talking about a 15 game season, and you want to keep your guys healthy. I mean, we saw that last year. I mean. If DeAndre Walker doesn't get hurt in the third quarter of the SEC championship game, you know, Georgia wins that football game. But uh, injuries happen, and so you don't want to expose your guys to any more risk than you need to. So to answer you, that's a really long answer to your question. But, yes, they are going to evolve. Jake's going to continue to do more at the line of scrimmage. There are certain players Kirby wants targeted, uh, but not at the expense of putting Jake at risk. This, this, I want to throw this out there, and, and you had mentioned it, uh, you had commented on it um, about uh, targeting. Um, having a mind blank. George here. Pickens. George Pickens, yes. Um, thank you, Hunter. Um, you said one, two, three, up to six times a game. Um, he is a real weapon for us, and. I just I can't understand why we are not trying to get the ball to him more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was targeted maybe three times in the Notre Dame game. Um, I believe in one of those should have been a pass interference, but you know that's neither here nor there. Um, but gosh, man, I mean this guy's just shown that he is AJ Green like, and uh, you know back then AJ Green was a huge weapon for us. Um, and we have weapons all across the board, but golly, man, I just I think we can open up our run game a whole lot better if we stretch that field out a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I, I think a lot of George, too. I, I think he's special. You know, I'm with you. I think he's in that conversation. And now he hasn't done it yet, you know, and, and the potential's there, though. And it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to watch a little bit of football and, and see what George can do not just with his vertical, not just with his great hands, but he's got great speed. And um, to your point, you know, I think Jake is a guy uh, that goes through his progressions. I think Jake is a guy that's, uh, you know, he's going to take care of the football. And he hasn't been in a position yet where he's had to force the ball. Uh, You know, Jake Fromm doesn't have any interceptions uh, through his first four games. It's not by accident. Uh, I do think that, you know, Georgia can do some things to free up George Pickens a little bit more. Um, but anytime you talk about trying to target one guy more, it means targeting somebody else less. So, uh, or, or, or not handing the ball off as much. You know, I think in hindsight, 
the Notre Dame run defense was a lot better than any of us thought. I mean, I yeah. almost wonder if Brian Kelly might have roped, did a rope-a-dope on us there. I mean, they came in ranked 120th in the nation against the run, and then all of a sudden, you know, and they look what they did against Virginia with eight sacks and allowing four yards rushing. I think that Notre Dame front was a lot better than any of us thought. Um, and I think the Georgia game plan was geared towards, you know, DeAndre Swift having a big night. I mean, you know, DeAndre had a career-high 18 carries, and, I had a couple catches, but, um, you know, in hindsight's 2020 guys, you know, maybe in hindsight, you, you go back and through it more. And Kirby did say that what looked like man coverage really wasn't, they were playing quarters defense. So there was really four deep there and kind of, it's almost like a, a matchup zone sort of thing. So mm-hmm. Notre Dame did a nice job disguising what they were doing. Uh, you know, Jake's the guys, I like to say, you know, he's going to keep the school bus up. He's going to keep the school bus out of the ditch. You don't got to worry about Jake getting your kids home safely. And uh, I think Jake just made the decision that, you know, he didn't need to force the ball. Now, you saw late in the game, they were throwing it for number one when they were trying to get that first down that would have ran out the clock. So Georgia knows who he is. They, they know he's the guy. When push comes to shove, it'll be George Pickens. Uh, but if Jake can spread the ball around and take the easy throw and move the ball, I think he's still going to do that. But I, I hear what you're saying. I think that more of the offense should be geared towards George Pickens. And I think as the season evolves, I think you'll see that. Yeah. Well, even Cager. I mean, Cager, I mean, he came out big that night um, and just showed what he was all about. Uh, showed how, how you know big of a receiver he was coming out of Miami. And a huge pickup for us, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, Billy Kirby did a nice job with all these transfers. You know, last year – I, I hate to use the word disappointed because I think expectations can be unfair, but you know, you had a transfer from Notre Dame on the D line that we thought might make a bigger impact. Jay Hayes, and you know, probably would have if, uh, you know, the Alabama, it wasn't it Alabama that fumbled the ball in the end zone and the guy recovered it. I think that was Jay yeah. Hayes on that hit, yeah. but you know, it didn't really make the impact, you know, that we thought season long, but this year, I mean, these guys went four for four. I mean, you look at, as you said, Lawrence Cager, he sure earned his scholarship against Notre Dame and uh, probably earned himself an invite to the Senior Bowl. That was a big-time performance mm-hmm. from Lawrence. You know, the NFL guys are watching him. He's a 6'5", 220 guy with a 40-inch vertical. That, that, that tells a lot of good for you. So that was a, a big performance for Lawrence as well as Georgia. Eli Wolf's come from Tennessee. And and really, guys, you know, to me, one of the most pleasant surprises, I, I'll admit, and I covered Eli a little bit Tennessee, I thought he would do well, but I didn't think he would fill. The guy at 239, he's a matchup problem and another guy that we could see evolve. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, DJ Daniel. You know, he was mm-hmm. the guy on the spot, you know, with uh, Tyson Campbell unable to go. And you know, I thought DJ played really well. You know, his first career start, you know, Juco guy. He was the number two Juco corner. Uh, but really represented himself well in Johnson. And, you know, while Jermaine hasn't put up the kind of numbers, you know, that some of these other guys were talking about, uh, that's a matter of opportunity. And, you know, he's playing behind Aziz Ajilari and, and there with Noel Smith. But, you know, they're on that last play against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, Jermaine's back there, the last offensive play. Jermaine's back there chasing Ian Book out of the pocket and, you know, looking like a guy to me that, that's going to be special in playing the league. So all right. four of those transfers – uh, I think uh, Kirby and his staff really did a, a knockout job landing those guys in itching where it scratches. Yes, sir. Speaking of transfers, uh, kind of a good segue into what I'm about to ask you because there's an interesting narrative that's beginning to form on social media among Dog fans. 
and even among national media in regards to Justin Fields versus Jake Fromm. And it seems yeah. that there's a clear line been drawn in the sand. You're either on one side or the other. One side is saying we should have never let Justin Fields get out of Athens. How do we let that happen? Or the other side saying, hey, Jake Fromm is the man. You had no choice but to start Jake Fromm. Now, I understand probably where you stand. It's probably where I am. And that is, well, Jake Fromm is the clear starter. But how, how do we how do we quell this, this – it's kind of an absurd narrative in my opinion because you get folks like uh, USA Today author Dan Walken making comments saying, hey, if you can't make your system fit a talent like Justin Fields, well, then your system sucks. And, yeah. I, you know, I just – I didn't take too well to that because it doesn't make any sense to <laughs> me. It's just an absurd comment. What, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, there's there's different levels of, you know, of knowledge on this. I mean, there's people that, that understand the situation. I mean, if you're just walking in the room and you're going, man, there's this guy at Ohio State and here's this guy at Georgia, and, and wow, this guy at Ohio State sure is good, uh, you know, why wouldn't Georgia play him? And then, you know, if, now if you stop right there, you can say, well, you got an argument. You know, he may look better than Jake Fromm right now, you know, but, but then the, the voice of wisdom says, well, now, wait a minute. You know, we're, we're seeing the second-year version of Justin Fields, and we're seeing Justin Fields running a different offense. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing, you know, Jake Fromm, he's undefeated, and, you know, he kind of led a team to a national championship game and really played good enough to win a national championship and, you know, has got a, had a better grasp of the offense. So it's easy to have a quick take on that yeah. um, without really understanding – you know what the situation was. I mean, I've even heard some media people say, "Well, you know, Dustin Fields never got a chance." Well, yeah, he did. He played in about twelve games, and yeah. you know, Kirby basically put the season in his hands with with the biggest play of the year on a play they worked on every year on a play they worked on every single week on that fake punt. If Justin Fields executes that, if he snaps the ball quicker, if he holds the ball and stays poised, Nicole Hardman comes open. He's a hero. Now, I don't know if that means he doesn't transfer. Because there's, you know, quarterback, it's it's not like any other position except maybe kicker. You can only have one of them out there at a time. You know, other positions, running back, linebacker, wide receiver, you can use these guys on special teams. You can sub them in and out. But the nature of the position is that, you know, the team kind of responds to one voice and kind of gets in a rhythm. Uh, now, I could make the argument that maybe Georgia should have had a package for Justin. And I know that Tim Tebow talked about that because that's what he did is a freshman at Florida. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that's what Justin Fields wanted. I think he wanted a chance to compete. I think he wanted to run the same offense. And in that pro-style offense, Jake Fromm was the better guy. Now, if someone wants to say that Kirby Smart should scrap his offensive system and game plan, uh, you're talking about him changing the kind of linemen that he recruits, mm-hmm. uh, the, the kind of running backs that he gets in there. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a complete overhaul. And that's a, you know, maybe if in 10 years Kirby Smart hasn't won enough games, you know, you can go back and say, well, he should have gone to the spread. But as things sit, you know, last time I checked, I mean, I think Kirby's about 28 and 5 and, you know, should have won a national title. Uh, I thought they had the best team in the country. And then last year, I think they had a pretty good case as, as being deserving of a college football playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard for me to second guess Kirby, but. You know, maybe it's not as hard for others. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, I don't, I don't want to mean to dominate all my questions about Jake Fromm, but I have a theory here, and JT on the other side of you does not agree with what I'm about to say, but it's about <laughs> Jake Fromm and his return or probable return to Georgia. 
And here's my theory, Mike, and I, I'd love to see where you stand on this. If, J, if, if Georgia goes all the way, and by all the way I mean they end this season as national champions, I see Jake Fromm leaving without question. However, if Georgia falls short anywhere, and by that I mean anything less than a national championship, I believe Jake Fromm does come back to Georgia for his senior year. How do you, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I don't know if I think it's that cut and dry. I think there's a lot of factors here. You know, one thing I think we we probably all feel um, good about is that it's not going to be a decision based on finances. I think the Fromm family is right. in good position. Now, that said, you know, Jake is going to want to maximize his earnings potential. I, I think it comes down to uh, what the crop of quarterbacks looks like. I mean, if he is a top 15 pick this year, I think it would be hard for him not to leave, right. uh, whether they win a championship or not. Um, you know, and I don't know what the class of quarterbacks looks looks like next year. So I think it comes down to a business decision for Jake. I do think that's a factor. Um, you know, whether there's an incentive to return for a championship or an incentive to return and repeat. I think it also has to do with you know what offensive linemen are doing. Um, you know, is Andrew Thomas going pro? Probably. Yeah, uh, Solomon Kinley, um, I don't know. We'll see how he comes back from the ankle. Ben Cleveland, maybe not. I thought at the beginning of the year, Ben Cleveland was a sure thing to come out. He still might. You know, Ben's had that leg injury. Um, you know, he knows how quickly football can go away. And that, so I think there's a lot of factors that I don't think um, that right now there's enough knowledge for us to make this decision or for us to really project. I do think that what you're talking about winning the championship, I think that's a factor, but I think there's a lot of factors. And I think the biggest factor has to do with his draft stock and whether or not Jake feels like he's a top 15 pick this year. That That's my thought. I guess everybody looks at it different. Right. Well, um, that makes but I sense. think you got to consider all that. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I was explaining to Hunter. Um, you know, depend on where he went in the first round, because more than likely, he's going in the first round, no, no doubt. Um, but the uh, what he's got around him is supporting cast, offensive line. Uh, of course, you know DeAndre. He's gone um, after this season. Uh, and like you said, it, a lot may depend on whether they win the championship or not. But I just I feel like if he's, if he's top ten, you know, which – I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. Um, I, th- I think he's. I mean, he's got to be gone. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold back from him for sure. Yeah, because you know, you'd like to think, and and coaches will say it, but you guys know it's not true. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter where you go. We've had guys come in, and, and uh, you know, Arian Foster wasn't drafted, and he did blah blah. Okay, well, listen, I know it's different. I know it's different for quarterbacks. I've witnessed it. When you get drafted higher, uh, you know, there's more pressure on the team to make it work. There's more pressure on the team to give you chances. You kind of get a bit of a head start, not just from a financial, you know, where you get picked. It doesn't just affect you financially. I thought I think it also affects your odds of, of making it on the roster. Um, if you get picked in the first round, that's a team saying we think you're a starter. If you get picked in the fourth or the fifth round, and I saw this happen with a quarterback I covered at Michigan State named Connor Cook, who I think was a really good quarterback. Oh, I mean, I he's their him. all-time leading passer. and uh, you know, But he goes late in the draft to the fourth round. The Raiders move up in the draft for him because they don't want Dallas to get him. And Connor goes to the Raiders, and Dak Prescott goes to Dallas. Well, what if Connor Cook goes to Dallas? 
Is his career different and Dak Prescott goes to the Raiders? Yeah. What's our conversation like? So I think in terms of where a guy goes in the draft, I think the money is one thing, but I also think it positions the guy differently uh, depending on what round he goes in with that team. It's not a guarantee, but I just I think teams are more apt to build around you and be patient when they've invested a first-round pick in you than if you're a fourth or fifth-round pick. That's true. That's very true. And hypothetically, let's say Fromm does jump back, how, do, how would that affect UGA's recruiting of a quarterback for 2020? Pretty, you think it would be a negative effect? Well, I think right now you got to look at a, you got to you look at a transfer right now mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. Right. Um, you know, so I think it affects it greatly. Yeah. Uh, you know, now here's here's the tricky part though, and this is this is the part that drives Kirby nuts. You know, so I think last year guys had until January 14th to declare, right? January 12th, January 14th, something like that. Yeah. That's after the early signing period. Yeah. So will that guy be there? Will that, you know, will that quarterback that you want to sign be there in January or he, is he going to be signed somewhere in the early signing period? Um, so the timing of this is, is tough because whoever you get, if you want to get a transfer uh, or you want to get, uh, you know, whether it's grad transfer, you, you want them to be there for the spring semester and go through spring drills. Right. So theoretically, you probably need to have them on board before Jake Prom makes his decision right. or announces his decision on January 12th or 14th. So one of the most important aspects of this is Jake being transparent. And, and I think he will, I mean, Jake's that mm-hmm. kind of guy. Um, it kind of given the coach, you know, even though the, the official deadline is the 12th or the 14th, I think they need to know what Jake's doing before that. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, at Ohio state, Dwayne Haskins, right. You know, was he going to come back or not? Well, you better believe Justin Fields knew that Haskins was leaving or he wouldn't have transferred to Ohio State. Right. And then there's a ripple effect. You know, so Ohio State kept Juan Mathis in the dark. You know, he was committed to Ohio State. And even on National Signing Day, Ohio State was still telling him that they didn't know if Justin Fields was coming or not. Now, you and I both know they knew and they wanted to keep Juan Mathis on board. So there's a lot to this. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, the timing of Jake's decision is important. I do think Jake will be fair to the program and yeah. and be transparent. But uh, to your point, yeah, it'll it'll have a lot to do with uh, what quarterback comes on board as a transfer or as a signing. Yep. JT, you got another question? Uh, yeah, we're gonna kind of get off the Georgia topic and everything else. Um, this is mm-hmm. kind of an all-around topic. This is a hot topic right now, and uh, pretty sure you probably know where I'm going with this. Um, the uh, California bill that was just passed. Um, how, how, what's your take on that? How do you see that that coming about, and do you see it possibly coming to Georgia? Yeah. Well, I think the NCAA's got to get out in front on it. Um, I think right now it's it's still a concept. I mean, they're saying 2023, but man, that's four years from now. A lot can happen between now and then. But but right. the NCAA's got to get on board. Um, you know, the NCAA, uh, to do their job effectively, has got to get some legislation in that would that would be across the board. I mean, I, I think it would be um, it'd be disappointing and then be wrong if some states had the ability to pay players and and other states didn't. I mean, that would certainly put, uh, you know, the states that didn't at a disadvantage. So I, I do think that it's coming. I do think that there's change coming. Uh, I think there's a lot of unintended consequences that come with this. Um, I mean, what if a high school player signs an endorsement deal and then decides that he doesn't want to honor a scholarship somewhere? You know, right. he just signed $150,000 with Nike 
And uh, he said, you know what, George, I just decided I really don't want to play football this year. I'm just going to sit out, um, you know, two years. Yeah. Or, or it, who, does he, who gets their money back, you know? Uh, and who's to say that boosters don't come up with endorsement deals for players to come to their school? It just yeah. becomes free agency, essentially. Hmm. Uh, so the school, you know, the facilities, all of a sudden the school's not putting the money in the facilities because the school's not making as much money. Because now that the players are making money off of these endorsements, uh, the schools aren't making as much money off the endorsements because it's going to the players. So now the schools doesn't have the same amount of money. So now the school's not going to be able to, you know, do as much for the facilities. At the end of the day, uh, the fans will pay the price. Um, now you can say whether you agree it's fair or not fair, or where you sit or where you stand with that. I mean, I could, I could argue it both ways, but there's a lot that has to happen still. Um, the California bill, I, I could almost guarantee you that as it's written is not going to be how the NCAA runs. There's going to be modifications. There's going to be considerations and, um, and we're going to watch it kind of evolve. The question is, what's the timeline for it? I don't know. Uh, I know that people in Florida have said that they've got legislation that could go in as early as next year. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to watch. It's interesting to see a lot of these presidents, uh, coaches, you know, Nick Saban was asked about it and, uh, the teleconference yesterday and he said listen i got a lot of questions that i've got to answer today he said but that ain't one of them because right now that's that's not happening yet uh so i think saban is kind of in the wait and see mode as well and and that's kind of where you got to leave it uh you know as us as onlookers or analysts or fans um you know all you can do is kind of brace for it and say man this is going to change things mm-hmm. uh, my takeaway from it is it's the strong will get stronger and the weak will get weaker will be the end result. And as far as how it affects Georgia, I think it would favor Georgia because I think it would uh, increase the chances that a player is going to stay in state. And Georgia is one of the states with a lot of in-state talent. So I mm-hmm. think it would hurt schools that have to recruit out of state. Mm-hmm. It just as a general rule, it would also help schools with bigger boosters. You know, you wonder um, a place like Nebraska Warren Buffett's one of the richest men in the world. He's a Nebraska fan. Um, what kind of endorsement deals might he cut to start bringing the best talent in the country to Nebraska? Because that's what it comes down to is a bidding war for players. Anybody can create an endorsement deal, right? So I could go out there right now and, and tell somebody I want him to you know, endorse my, uh, my blog, and I can pay him any amount that I want. Um, and that's kind of what this is going to turn into is free agency. That's right. Right. So back back to a Georgia question, and we'll we'll start getting to where we're closing out for you. Uh, obviously, Florida is probably the most clear threat to Georgia in the East. How close are they? Do we know enough about them to understand how credible of a threat they are to Georgia? Yeah, I saw those guys play against Miami and Orlando. I'm not ready to say they're the biggest threat. I, I still I still worry a little bit about Missouri. Okay, Kelly Bryant, yeah. his ability to extend plays, his mobility how hard Missouri played Georgia last year in Columbia. I mean, that was a real dogfight. Um, I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, Missouri was able to run the ball on Georgia last year. Mm-hmm. Not many teams really did that with success. But, you know, Missouri can dig in now and play good football. How close are they? You know, right now, I guess my answer is right now it doesn't matter. Right. What will matter is, you know, how close are they in November? You know, how healthy is Georgia? Is Jake Fromm still upright? Is he got, does he got leg wrapped up and he can't move real well? Uh, you know, where's the offensive line at? Are they five strong? Are we down to the seventh and eighth linemen? Um, you know, is J.R. Reed still out there playing safety? 
you know, and then for Florida, you know, who's the quarterback by then? You know, I, I don't know. And I think we're going to learn a lot more about Florida this week against Absolutely. Auburn yep. and, and vice versa too. Um, but, you know, those are two, obviously the, the biggest, two of the bigger threats I would say remaining on the schedule. But, um, you know, that's, that's why we get back. That's why we dial it back to Kirby smart. And, you know, uh, you know, here we are talking about, and I'm one of them saying, hey, you need to throw the ball more. You need to use more tempo. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out that if you play 82 plays instead of 62 plays, the likelihood of you getting injured goes up, right? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe Kirby, by playing only 62 plays, is preserving uh, some players and avoiding some injuries over the long haul. I know that Tennessee team I covered in 2016, uh, they left Sanford Stadium 5-0 and and ranked number seven in the country. But they didn't make it to the finish line because they had all these injuries. And, um, you know, I'm not saying Butch Jones should have done it different, but, you know, running more plays does come at a cost. And uh, like I said, I saw that Tennessee team run out of gas and lose to Vanderbilt in a game that if they win in 2016, they're going to the Sugar Bowl. They're a New Year's Six team. So, you know, it's funny to me when I hear all these people say, oh, man, boy, it's been so long since Tennessee was a good team. That's not really three years ago. Some of these guys on the roster right now were there when this was a top 10 team. So I don't buy the poor mouth in that Tennessee doesn't have any talent. And, you know, that Kirby walked in and he just had all this and, now, sometimes it's what you do with it. Sometimes it's the culture that you have. And sometimes it's the players that you have. And uh, and how they, not just how talented they are, but how they represent themselves and what their focus is. So I think Georgia should get credit uh, for what they've done. And Kirby should get credit for what they've done. And I think I agree with Kirby in the sense that, you know, Tennessee has the potential to be a dangerous team. And if you don't believe me, uh, just ask Auburn because there's still people picking their jaw up off the ground at what happened on the Plains last year. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this with you. This is, this is give me your honest, honest opinion. Do we get the Natty this year? <laughs> wow. That's a tough one. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think it's probably, um, you know, I, I'd say probably right now 25%. Because I do think Georgia's a playoff team, um, you know. Doesn't, but but here's the thing, guys. This is the problem. You know, it doesn't matter what I think. And there's not, you know, unlike the BCS when we had computers and, and we could project and, and schedule strength mattered and and um, polls mattered and all that. Um, you know, we got we got 13 people that go in a room and they pull the cloak down and they don't tell us uh, what what's important. They don't tell us whether it's, you know, schedule strength or whether you got to win your league or, or, you know, not. I mean, you know, 2017, um, you know, Alabama didn't even play in the SEC championship game. They, they lost right. by double digits to Auburn. Mm-hmm. They had a double digit yeah. loss to Auburn and didn't even win their division. But, you know, hey, they're one of the four best. So there they are in the playoff. And, you know, they got one less game on their legs than, than Georgia. And, you know, they go down to New Orleans and, and play kind of a bad Clemson team. And Georgia gets shipped five hours away to, play Baker Mayfield in an overtime shootout and lose a day of preparation because they got to fly away back from California and Alabama's got a 30-minute flight and, you know, and, and Alabama wins by one play. So do I think that factored into the result? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, who, you get, who you get matched up against, where you play, uh, travel, things like sounds like people, oh, that just sounds like an excuse to me. Well, you can call it what you want, but that game came down to one play, and I think those factors add up. Uh, you know, and then now, convert, now compare that to last year. 
you know, where, you know, you got these people sitting in a room and they say, you know, we couldn't decide who the four best was. So we had to fall back on protocol. Well, well, what's that? Well, you know, Oklahoma won their league. Okay, so now winning your league does matter. Yeah. Now, Ohio State's got to be saying, well, now, wait a minute. We won our league in 2017, and you told us that didn't matter because, well, we thought Alabama was clearly better. Well, what about Georgia? Well, Georgia had two losses. Well, Georgia also played in their league championship game. Maybe if Alabama had played in the SEC title game, they would have had a loss. But as it stood, Georgia and Alabama had a very similar resume after the regular season. The only difference was Georgia lost by a touchdown to the most dominant team in SEC regular season history, the ranked number one team. So they put Oklahoma in, and uh, what Oklahoma was down 28-0 after 17 minutes to Alabama. So you're asking me a question, if I think they belong in, if I think they deserve it, do I think Georgia was one of the four best teams? Yes, I do. But because of politics, mm-hmm. I, I can't predict what the politics will be. Yeah. I think we've got to see how things play out with Alabama and LSU. Could we be looking at a one-loss team that – uh, that doesn't play in the SEC title game going to the playoff again. Uh, if if Boise State runs the table, maybe does the committee this year feel like they've got to be sympathetic uh, to the group of five team? What about Ohio State and Clemson? Are they both undefeated? Um, you know, there's a lot more to it than whether or not George is going to be one of the four best teams. Yeah. So what I'll tell you to answer my question, answer your question is, <laughs> I believe Georgia will be one of the four best teams in the country at the end of the year. But I don't know how the politics will shake out. That's exactly right. And I, I have, I kind of have a similar opinion to you because I'm done trying to figure it out. All I can do is look at the schedule, and does Georgia have the opportunity to be to run the table and be 12 and 0 at the end of regular season or 11 and 1? Sure, I firmly believe that. I think 11 and 1 is probably the most realistic scenario. However, I, I'm kind of like you. I don't even know if that's going to be enough at the end of the season because of the way things have went, specifically in 2017 when Bama was second in their division and third in the SEC, and they still somehow found their way in. So I've given up on trying to figure it out and make those kind of predictions too. But you know what it's like, guys? I don't know. Do you guys ever watch NASCAR? I don't know if you ever watch NASCAR. I don't. Okay. Yeah. NASCAR, when you go to Daytona and Talladega, you know, all those cars are in the pack. They're, they're all nose to tail, right? And you get down to the last lap, and there's four or five cars near the front, and, and, and anything can happen, right? Everybody starts jockeying for position, and you just don't know who's going to come shooting out of there. That's kind of what it is right now in college football. There's five or six teams out there that I think are above everyone else, and there's just one cir- – you know, there's just so many different circumstances around it. Like I said, who you get matched up with, you know, it's the same kind of deal with game location this year. You know, is, is Georgia – or Clemson, which team, you know, let's assume both those make it. Now, who's going to be ranked higher? Because the, the team that's not is going to get shipped out to Arizona. That's a long trip. That's a lot. That's considerably longer than playing in Atlanta for Georgia or Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I think that does have an effect on how you perform in the next. Little things like that, you know, who's healthy? Who do you play? Where do you play them? Um, so there's there's a lot to it. So, uh, you know, you're asking me, I, I, I give them a better chance than most people. I've been pretty bullish on Georgia winning the SEC. Right now, that would be my pick, and that would put them in the playoff. But I don't know who they play. I don't know where they play, and I don't know how healthy they are. Right. So um, I, I give Georgia about. I give them their best chance. Um, you know, a better chance than last year. And, and honestly, guys, I don't want to rub salt in them. But 2017, Georgia had the best team in college football. Agreed. I'm not ready to say that this year's team looks as dominant as that year's team. 
I think Pollock said it best. This team may have more upside, but we haven't seen him realize it yet. You know, and that goes back to a lot of the questions you were asking earlier about how involved, um, you know, George Pickens is going to be and how the offense evolves and things like that. That's right. Hey, Mike Griffith, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Fantastic insight. Uh, we expect nothing less. Tell the people real quick how they can find you on the Internet. Yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter at Mike Griffith 32 uh, and then at DogNation.com. we got a lot of stuff in there if you want to read more and know more. And Brandon Adams and Tony O'Malley and Jeff Centel. And, uh, you know, we, we try to provide the best Georgia coverage out there. There's a lot of guys who do a good job. If you're a Georgia fan, I think you got a pretty good beat core as a whole with the Rivals guys and 24-7 as well. You guys got it pretty well locked down. Mike, thank you so much again. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you. Hopefully uh, another time we can get you back on the show. We really enjoyed this. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye.